Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to a Squabble Box podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Attack of the Movies podcast. With, uh, I'm one of your hosts, Johnny. And your host, James. So, James picked the movie, this this movie this time. Uh, James picks a lot of them, and James usually makes a pretty good pick. This one I'm torn on. I really, I really am. Um, this one is the 1987 movie Miami Connection. Now, initially when you said Miami Connection, I mixed this up with Hard Ticket to Hawaii. There was like a whole group of movies mm-hmm. in that. Nah. Mm-hmm. So I mixed it up with that, which clearly oh. it's not. Uh, yeah. The poster for this, or the DVD cover, whatever, the image you normally see, it, it is classic 80s. It's like watching... It's like looking at, like, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. It, mm-hmm. it looks... Just, I mean, it's, it, it personifies what the 80s were. And I was drinking it, I was watching it, drinking a Three Floyds beer called like Dragon Snake or something, or Laser Snake, that had the same style. So I'm like, all right, I'm all set. So <laughs> the movie was written by Wu Sang Park, who I don't think ever did anything else. Um, um, actually, did I he? wanted to say something. He does play, he played Uncle Song. Yes, he did. And he did this other movie, which I, I believe I have a copy of in one of those multi-pack sets it's called uh la street fighters i haven't watched that one yet but i'll have to check it out it seems at least it'll be okay i mean he looked like he was very talented yeah um to be fair most of the taekwondo because it was a taekwondo movie which this movie was this movie basically felt like a an ad for taekwondo Mm, i can see that Mm -hmm. um it has a solid rating of 5.8 out of 10 on um, IMDb. It tanked when it came out, sadly. Um, it's uh, Taekwondo is one of those weird martial arts. And I say weird because it was created for a specific reason. Most martial arts were created for a specific reason to battle against somebody else's martial art, right? So like mm-hmm. samurais or ninjas or Taekwondo, mm-hmm. karate, all they all had a way to counter and everything else. That's why, like, you'll see MMA fighters have 
more than one skill because you're fighting again. You don't know who you're fighting against, right? Like right, initially, right, it was right. like it was like, oh, this guy's a karate expert. This guy's that, and then it evolved, <laughs> and it had to evolve because no one martial art is perfect. Contrary to what everyone thinks about, um, um, whatever Brazilian jiu-jitsu, whatever. There's there's probably somebody out there that knows some traditional martial art that can kick that guy's ass, and vice versa. Right, right, right. So, but back in the '80s, everything was generally, you know, karate, taekwondo. I mean, there were a few other ones they used. Taekwondo is known for its kicks, and there's a lot of that in this movie. Um, I'm just giving some background, and we'll talk about it. So, apparently, Wu Sang Park saw YK Kim, who's the um, the writer and star of the movie, well, one of the two stars, really, mm-hmm. on a Korean talk show talking about um, Taekwondo. And, oh, my God, there's a picture of all of them together now, like in 2012. They all still kind of look about the same. Holy shit. <laughs> wow. Uh, he's got the same one. Wu-Sang Park, who's credited in this as Richard Park or whatever, he uh, called him and said, I want to make a movie. So they actually did base it off of just like him talking about Taekwondo. Mm-hmm. He's got a kick-ass convertible Impala in the movie. I like that. But it's a movie that's just so bizarre. Like, it, it's about ninjas running drugs. Ninjas, le- legit ninjas with yep. like, outfits running drugs through the, I want to say through the Florida Keys into Orlando and then Miami. In fact, I think they spend more time in Orlando than Miami in the movie. Yeah. Well, no, it starts in like, Miami. It starts in Orlando like, and ends there. Because I think early on it's like somewhere in Florida and then they do get into Orlando. And then, yeah, I, I assume it's the Keys because they show the bridge going out there or at least one of those islands. And that's where the initial drug deal is going down with like your typical 80s cartel looking drug dealers and that <laughs> who, gets, who get ambushed by, by ninjas. And then, like, the leader of the ninjas is wearing a bright white outfit, and people are just walking past him and don't even right, notice right. it at all. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and that's how the movie opens. And then there's, like, one or two of the, like, cartel guys that seem to know martial arts, and they all have the typical 80s Uzi. No one has a pistol. Right. And they're just blind firing everywhere, right? And then it just goes off. It, then it goes even more off the rails, because you find out that the ninjas are a biker gang. <laughs> But then there's like another biker gang. Well, I guess that's the same. Well, it, no. Well, so, so you find out they're a biker gang, and they when they're not, and it, it's funny because they're they ride away from the scene of the crime on their bikes with all their lights on at night, dressed as ninjas still. Oh yeah. Uh, 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 uh. Like no one is suspicious of this at all. Like if I'm driving out, you know, I probably wouldn't be suspicious, but I'd be like, wow, the world has come to an end. Um, <laughs> Go ahead, James. Yeah, they... That, I mean, look, I, I, I actually... Let's put it this way. This is the first movie I ever watched and took notes. Yeah, I did too. I mean, I didn't write a lot down, but... I will um, say a samurai sword or a, a katana cannot slice see, off an arm. I, what I wanted to say about that about that encounter with the ninjas is that what we see, like... Well, it's really the first scene where we see their kind of makeshift weaponry. So we see, like, metal rods. And one guy has these, like... I don't know what they are, but he uses them to like protect his uh, his upper arm. Yeah, those are guys that get, those are guys that lose. Yeah, but I'm just saying that's when we oh when we see that they use that stuff in the movie. Yeah, it's like yeah, the yeah, kind I mean, of beginning of that, which I thought was kind of cool. I mean, they don't. Yeah, they, they at least put up hard. a fight. They weren't like, okay, let's just lose. Right, right. Um, and then their master is basically disappointed because the ninjas forget the money. You got the coke. That stuff happens, right? The white, I think it's the white ninja, as you were yeah. saying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then we learn about this there's this band. We see this band playing. 
uh, which is like, this is their first song, right? And they're speaking about striking with no mercy into the night, and they're talking about escaping from Miami. That, that's, I wrote down some of the lyrics. Um, it, was, it was the most horrible lip syncing I've ever seen. And I, it's so bizarre because they're, playing, they're all playing instruments, but none of the instruments have a cable going to it. They've clearly filmed it somewhere with a stage. This is before, even if you had a wireless transmitter for your instrument, it still plugs into the instrument. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I'm like, looking. I'm like, huh. So, I mean, I don't expect the actors to know how to play the instruments. I get it. But, and then, and just a couple of them put on a good act, you know. Uh, yeah. the, guy that, the guy that played um, John, Vincent Hirsch, who had to be like eight foot tall, Mm-hmm. He looked like he was getting into it. And the guitar player, the guitar player who looked like he would have fit in like the Marshall Tucker band uh, <laughs> was uh, doing all right too. I think his name's Angelo Giannotti. He was looking like he was having fun out there. Yeah, I, I, I think he did too, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, so, like, I'm like, that guy doesn't blend in at all with this group. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a girl on stage. Yeah, that, that is Jane. She's, I think she's the, the main female girl. This clearly was written by somebody not from here because it has every stereotypical American name. Mark, John, Jack, Jim, Tom, Jane, Jeff. <laughs> and then Yoshino. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she Sorry. doesn't like that her her brother is the – Jeff is the leader of the gang. He shows think, no, up. he's the leader of the other biker gang we find out. Yeah. Which is yeah. like a Harley gang. So they they come up. She doesn't like her brother because I think that's at the point when. Jeff well, he walks in. He walks in and sees her on the stage. Yeah. With yeah. the head of the other, with the ninja biker gang. Oh my god! Did I just say ninja biker gang? Uh, How was this never on Mystery Science Theater? I know Rift Tracks did it. Yeah, I think well, they were. But you know what? Because it was on a print. Yeah. It aired. It went to the theater. It was out in three weeks. No one. It was horribly reviewed, and somebody accidentally somebody bought it just on a whim on eBay from Draft House. And that's how they ended up revitalizing it, mm-hmm. which we'll talk about more at the end because it's a good, it's actually a really neat story. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he sees her there and the other guy's like, isn't that your sister? Which later on, what that guy says makes him calling her, the other guy's sister, kind of goofy. And then we find out that John and Jane are in college together, right? Yeah. And see, they all go to college apparently, even though their yeah. age ranges look to be about 27 to 40. Like, not one of them is the age of a college. Like, she's supposed to be playing, like, a college kid that her brother needs to keep an eye on. And there's many scenes where I'm like, you're, like, 35. <laughs> and it's not her fault. I mean, she, you know, she was hired for a job. I, I get yeah. It. Yeah. So, basically, you know, John is telling Jane to, you know, okay, let's hang out. Oh, I take that back. She would have been, like, in real life, she would have been, like, 27. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? Wow, I just looked her up. <laughs> so go ahead, sir. So yeah, John is that he shows up to her class because the teacher's going around looking at their programming project or whatever. Yeah. Something like that. Ten uh, print print quote name quote twenty. Yes. Go to ten. Run. <laughs> so we have John in telling her, you know, let's let's go. They want to go, you know, he wants to go with her, uh, you know, walk around campus. I, I don't remember. And he seems like a good, he seems like he's a good student. And so does she, like none of them seem like dropout losers. I'm right. Right. 
So that happens, and then Jeff shows up. He doesn't like the fact that Jane is involved with John. So then he punches John. <laughs> Which is funny because he – like my boss tells a story about it when he was on the rugby team at wherever he went because I don't want to give up too much. He got – you know, his buddies got in a fight at a bar, and this guy was so tall he had to jump to hit him. I'm 5'11". I work with guys that are 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, I can hit them without jumping, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know how tall Jeff is in this movie. And I don't know how tall John is, but John literally looks like he's like six nine, six eight. Yeah. And Jeff looks all about five eight. He legitimately looked like he had to leave his feet a little bit to punch him in the jaw. <laughs> and, Pretty much. Yeah. And, and the the gang he's with at this point, they're driving like that classic porno, like eighties porno Mercedes, only it's in red instead of white or silver. <laughs> and like one guy's all dressed in fatigues. One guy's like got blue blockers on and a leather jacket with like a neck scarf that's camouflaged. And another guy's wearing like a, a, like a midriff showing Notre Dame show. I'm like, who the f- Really? I think one guy was wearing a noose or was that later yeah, on? Yeah, oh, maybe it's a noose. It could be. It could have been a noose. Okay. But I'm just looking. And then there's, like this, then there's like a fat guy that looks like Walter from like The Big Lebowski 20 years earlier. Uh, <laughs> it's just like this motley crew. It, it almost looks, it's almost like they were like, Hey, uh, you guys just got done filming. Um, what's that movie? Escape from not Escape from New York. It was like a bad B movie ripoff of it. Well, any of those post-apocalyptic movies, and they're like, "Hey, why don't you come here?" Oh yeah. And John's trying to be nice. He goes to shake the guy's hand. He's like, "Oh, hi, I'm John," and he just punches him. Uh, I guess, yeah, because I guess Jeff was just really angry, and it felt like he had to take it out on John. So. Well, he's got to protect his sister because she needs to do good in college. Yeah. And then it's like anticlimactic because I thought part of the plot was going to be that John stood up and just beat his ass in front of his gang. Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen. Oh, well. <laughs> instead, they all just hop in the, they, instead, they all just hop in the convertible white Impala, which apparently has doors that don't open. Yeah, because I don't think they ever open a door. <laughs> no, but there's one scene where John, the guy that plays John, uh, Vi- um, nah, Vincent Hurst jumps in like no problem. And YK Kim goes to jump in, he gets the one leg in, and the other slides off, and he has to, like, kick it up again. <laughs> like, you guys might have to fuck that out a bit. So they drive off, and they're like, he's like, yeah, I would have kicked his ass if she wasn't there. I'm like, I would have liked to have seen that, because you're, like, seven foot, so you have yeah, I mean, a hell of a reach advantage. I would have as well, yeah. But basically, yeah, and then I think after that, Jeff... Now it kind of becomes a blur. Yeah, because... Oh, like, no, no. After that, they show the nightclub where the band plays. Now, they're in a band, and they call it um, Steel Dragon. No, it's a metal band. What is it called? Uh, Dragon Sound. Yeah, Dragon Sound, yeah. And they play inspirational music, which the young kids love, apparently, because we find this out in this scene when the old band goes to get their job back and threatens the, the owner of the club... Uh, a guy named William got an actor named William P. Young, who I swear I've seen him before. Oh, no, that's all he's known for. Uh, <laughs> clearly not. So apparently everyone knows martial arts in this because they threaten him, hit, uh, the lead singer or the lead, the lead guy of the other band, two other guys or three other guys, and he kicks their ass. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of hilarious watching it because he's, like he's wearing like a typical Miami Vice-like looking suit. <laughs> and he's, but during the argument, he's like, their music's what the kids want to hear. I'm like, yeah, kids want to hear songs about friendship and getting crime out of Miami. I'm like, wait a minute. 
in the, in 1987, I'm like, I'm pretty sure metal and punk were still somewhat popular. Yeah. Uh, grunge, I, I, grunge was coming up. <laughs> I don't know. It was just funny. It's just like, the, the, uh, it, it, because they're a band and they get involved in fighting crime, it's like Buckaroo Banzai banged like American Ninja and had a yeah, movie. And a little bit of Streets of Fire. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. So that is saying that the confrontation with the with the uh, guy who runs the the venue, right? Who, that, who actually is in the movie for probably combined a good fifteen minutes, and he has no name. <laughs> so yeah, their song is about. I think they sing about. Taekwondo. The song she she sings is about friends forever. Yeah, and Taekwondo is to stop senseless killing or something like that. Yeah, it's literally it's, it's literally a song that's a commercial for Taekwondo and being friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then we find out later from Jack that he doesn't want to play at the club anymore because of, of what's happening. And it feels like things have gone too far, but then... Mark Mark is telling him, you know, we should still keep playing there. Which guy was Jack? Uh, Jack, I'm trying to remember. He had, he was he was only in a few scenes. Yeah, like the band had like five guys, but every fight scene there were three, maybe four. Yeah, I'm like where's number five? Is he waiting to get tapped in or tagged in? No, I think because J- it was Tom, Jim, Jack, John, Mark. That was the band. Yeah. Oh, and Jane, really, but she didn't do any fighting. Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping she would. I was kind of hoping to see, like, Jane do a little ass kicking, but I guess not. So, yeah, Mark's ta- Mark's thinking about not do- – was it Mark that was thinking about not doing it anymore? Uh, it was Jack. He doesn't want to play at the club. Yeah, he doesn't want to trouble. He's, yeah, that's what he says. And then I was saying Mark's, Mark's saying, well, we should keep doing it. You know, well, because Mark's like, it's not our fault that the other guys aren't there. You know, an a- their agent got him the job, is what he basically said. Mm-hmm. So they play at the club again. They leave the club and they get now. Now it's like, now it seriously is like a post apocalyptic film. They're on the streets of some city in Florida, which we're assuming is Miami. They turn the corner and they get surrounded. There's like five cars in front of them with a, what, what looks like, I couldn't even describe. It's like, it's like, when you hear the stories where it's like my Florida man, it's like every one of them is there waiting to fight him. And then behind oh, them pulls up the other band. When they're in there, I, I think I know what you're talking about when they're in the, uh, like the, the gang, they have like, they have like baseball bats. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the yeah, first big, yeah. it's like the first big fight scene. And then the old, the other band pulls up like next to them. Oh Yeah. And you're like, really? You hired like this lady? He's like, I'm gonna kill you! Like, dude, it's just a shitty nightclub. Yeah, and and the, one of them is telling, you know, Mark and his friends that they should leave. They should leave town. Not, yeah. Not just stop playing. Not just stop having the band. Leave town. It's like, well, I don't really. I mean, yeah, I guess they're kind of thinking like the the gang is thinking, well, this is our turf, but. Same time, I don't know. I didn't really take them all that seriously. Neither did Mark. Either. So. <laughs> yeah. And then it's hilarious because they all jump out of the car and they all run, but they kick some ass. But yeah. the, the, the original band who just had their ass kicked gets their ass kicked again by Mark. 
Pretty much, yeah. So, like, throughout the movie, they're all bandaged up in every scene they're in. <laughs> Which I thought was pretty funny. I'm like, okay, I like that. That was good. And, and honestly, most of the fight scenes, the people fighting the main character guys, like Kim and Hirsch and Diamond Smith, Janati, they all seem to have a good amount of, or at least varying level of skill from average to, like, good, right? Mm-hmm. I think so, too, yeah. I think the fight choreography could have used a little work because, like, if you're fighting four guys and you take three seconds to throw a guy, eh. but okay. I mean, it's a low budget film. So I think the fight choreography was pretty good. Oddly, later on in the movie, when Uncle um, Uncle Song fights that, that group of guys, that one seems like a much better, like, quick fight. And he he seems that it looks like he has a ton of skill, like the, whoever, yeah. you know, the guy that plays him. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks very natural. And he, you know, yeah, I mean, they're just kicking the crap out. They, I mean, they basically kicked crap out of him in the next it, here's the problem like too i think is the editing of this movie it's like you see him running you see him beating some guys up and then all of a sudden cut and they're in the car driving away again mm-hmm. and you're like um yeah, I, huh I, and no cop really, showed really, up keep in mind no cop like, showed up to this either in the middle of the night 10 car loads of people so mm-hmm. yeah it was um it was it wasn't it wasn't a bad scene but yeah they, one guy had like a chain or the baseball it was all the makeshift weapons like we were talking about mm-hmm what was the next scene then? Well, I remember. Oh, they're at the house. Because yeah. they all live together. We find that yeah. out. Mm-hmm. And Mark thinks they're all orf- orphans, and that's why they got to get. Like I said, this that... movie is like this movie is like every 80s like trope. Oh, we're all orphans. Let's get together. And yeah, we you know, find out that that what Jim isn't an orphan. He's just sad because of what happened. With his dad? Well, I mean, ultimately, he's kind of an orphan because his dad left and he never had oh, yeah. contact with him. That's true. Yeah. And then, and then okay. the mom died, I think. But Jim's been trying to find a dad, right? Mm-hmm. So it is funny when he's like, when Mark's like, oh, I thought we were all orphans. I'm like, does it really matter? And the one dude, Tom, that was played by Angel Ogenati, that bushy-ass mustache and that mullet, I kept looking at him thinking of the Mystery Science Theater episode with um, Space Mutiny. Where he's like, oh, you woke up the Oak Ridge boys. Because like half the people I, in that scene had that hair. <laughs> I was thinking of Kevin Eastman, the, the, uh, of uh, the Ninja Turtles, the guy who co-created them. When he, back when he was in the 80s, he kind of had that look too. <laughs> I've seen pictures of him. So, <laughs> so he's either in a 70s folk country band or he was an 80s porn star. We're not sure which. <laughs> okay, so we had that. We, they're in the house. We find out Jim is not an orphan. Mm-hmm. And where do we go from there? Because I, I just watched it, and I, I honestly let me look at my notes. If you uh, remember, go ahead. Sure. Okay. Read what I wrote here. Oh, it's funny her. when her brother shows up at the at the school. It's him and like five other carloads of guys that all look like they, like I said, came out of a, a post apocalyptic movie. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down caravan of idiots. <laughs> and there's one dude wearing like blue blockers, or in one of the scenes, one of the guys fighting. Oh, it was in the it was in the nightclub. The guy was wearing like a bright white Coca-Cola sweater and like blue blockers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was so fun. It was so like the acting is not not good. Let's be honest. No. And when Jim no, when Jim I mean, is telling his story, like he's crying. There's tears, but the emotion just seems not there. Yeah. Now that I think about it, it's like the acting didn't really do anything for me. Yeah, there, he's telling the story about his parents, and he's like, "Well." near to the cinematography. He's like, well, my, 
my mom was Korean and my dad was a black American. I'm like, uh, he said it with so little emotion that you're like, I don't buy it. Yeah. But you know, I don't think any of the, of these, you know, of these, well, any of the actors are, for lack actors. of a better word, are, 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 yeah, I don't think they're actually actors. So I think some of them were in one or two things here and there. Oh, okay. And I think William Virgil, who played Jeff, actually had like an acting career. No, nope. oh, okay. there was somebody I looked up that had that like did more than just this. Okay. I think uh, I think Wusang Park actually directed or produced a ton of movies. Yeah, as I mentioned that LA Spiders, yeah. I probably should watch it. Yeah, he, he from seventy two to like two thousand five, he had directed twenty two films. So I mean, he's you know. Yeah, and they're mostly. American Chinatown game justice. All have to do, I would say, with some form of Taekwondo or Kung Fu or martial arts, whatever. Yeah. That's funny. Chinatown, too. That's not the follow up to Chinatown, right? No. I don't know. No, there was a follow up to Chinatown. It's got a different title, though. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we find out they're all orphans. That's what brought them together. And then you're going to have to pick up because I honestly kind of don't remember. I think so, we see the I think we see the motorcycle ninjas again in their in yeah. their dojo, and we see the motorcycle gang just hanging out indulging. Jeff, in, yeah, Jeff's gang, which is like your classic your classic American biker gang. They go to the you know they they hang out. They're like, oh, I don't want to talk business. One of them says, I don't want to talk business. Just just have fun, right? Yes, I think yes, Jeff. There's this one guy with the glasses. I don't remember his name, but he's part of the gang. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, I don't want to talk about business. I just want to have fun." So those ladies, they, you know, they go to the bar. I think that's probably when we see the topless chick. That well, the white that. ninja meets them there because the white ninja and Jeff know each other. That is that who you're talking about? Only he's not wearing the white ninja outfit. Clearly, it he's the leader be. of the biker ninjas, and he comes yeah, up and he's like, "Yeah, let's just have fun." He goes in there and okay. he kisses the bartender chick. And, okay. Yeah. Because I. I I think I didn't really like connect with was because I had seen because in the movie he's wearing his ninja's outfit more than he's wearing his street clothes. So it's yeah. like, but yeah, oh, they had the glasses, you know. Oh, Wu Sing Park died in nineteen two thousand six. It's sixty three years old only. That's oh. sad. Yeah, yeah. That we see there what they do in the bar, and then we get to a point where Margaret's friends, like, I believe, they all go for, out for pizza because they're hungry, and. Tom is going to park the car. No, you're jumping ahead. Oh, really? Yeah. They first. Um, Jeff's at the Jimmy Owens with all the hillbilly uh, martial artists, and uh, the band guys walk in again, and they t- they want to hire him, and they say if you get if you get him out of the way, any he goes I want my job back. If you get them out of the way, anything I make is yours. Um, mm-hmm. Then why are you working? Because <laughs> you're not getting paid. Because they walk in all bloodied and bandaged again. Mm-hmm. And then they meet our fearless heroes in a train yard. And they get ambushed in the train yard. And they kick, they kick everyone's ass and fight their way out. And then the cops show up and they're gone already. And the cops are like, where'd everybody go? I don't know, but we, it pro- looks like another gang. We should really get the gangs out of this town. And they get in the cars and drive off. <laughs> Yeah, the cops don't really do much in the movie. Either. They get out of their car with their guns out, and there's no one around them. <laughs> uh, so that 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 scene was before the one you're talking about. The one you're talking about is more near the end. I don't remember what else happens. Where Tom gets kidnapped? Yeah, it's it's well, it's about because the movie's only an hour and a half. 
Because I thought they, that's when it's he like a, It's that. about, I want to say it's about at the 50 to 60. Yeah, it might be right after this. Because he's unhappy that his, uh, about what happened. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. Jeff might have kidnapped. It might be right right near this the, the um, train scene. Oh, okay. Yeah, but they kidnapped Tom, which I don't know how he didn't hear them coming. It's not like they were, st- they were stealthy. Well, what's weird is that he didn't even bother because he's driving a the convertible. The he big didn't bother ass, to yeah. put up the, the roof. and It was, it was like raining. Right? You can't because that's how they all get in the car. Remember, they open the doors. Oh, true. If you open the doors, how are they going to get in? Or if they yeah. put the roof on, how are they going to get in? Oh, yeah. Well, I guess it was running that hard anyway. I mean... <laughs> It doesn't matter. I would have done it. <laughs> I find it funny that all you found wrong with that scene was he didn't put up the roof. Not that he lightly got hit with a car door and didn't even throw one punch as they were kidnapping. Yeah, I mean, I do think he could have defended himself too. I mean, because he, you know. They all seem to be Taekwondo black belts, according to what the other band said. Huh. So, yeah, I was kind of surprised at them. I'm like, really? I'm not going to throw a punch, huh? Okay. <laughs> and he's the one they were calling Pretty Boy when they captured him too. I'm like, really him? I'm not sure anybody in that band's pretty. <laughs> yeah, and then what is it? They get a letter saying he got kidnapped. Is that right? Uh, I did have to fast forward through some of the driving scenes to make sure I got done before we recorded, so I uh, might have missed a little dialogue. But I'm uh, pretty sure they get a. I'm pretty sure they pretty much get a ransom letter. Yeah, something like that. They meet us, meet us wherever, and just you know whatever. Because they go and then they fight. They fight just guys. Yeah, but okay, because you. I'm trying to think. What was that like? An industrial park where they're. Yeah, they had they had them like two stories up on something chained up, and they were force feeding them beer. That's what I thought you meant. And then train yard was like, oh yeah, I didn't really. No, there was actually like a freight yard scene first. Okay. Okay. And then yeah, then there was the industrial scene. That makes more sense, and I probably just for I didn't really wasn't as into the the train yard freight yard scene but anyway yeah, yeah it was a th- uh, it, it was it was something watching john run through the train yard because he's a big dude <laughs> i'm like how is anyone even coming near him with that stride and he was moving pretty fast but yeah, yeah. so they, then they end up uh confronting jeff and the crony the the hillbilly uh ninjas again mm-hmm. more hey. uh, makeshift weapons and then one guy uh he gets hit in the neck with the metal rod. Yeah, that guy might be dead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, that's like one of the few gory bits, which there's not a lot gory of gory bits early on. True. With the, yeah. with the ninja the ninja guys. Because they cut that guy's arm off at the shoulder. I'm like, yeah. I, I, I've seen a lot of evidence that says a katana, no matter how strong you are, is not going to cut through bone. But all right, it's a movie. <laughs> we'll go with it. I remember, yeah, so that was one of the gorier bits, yeah. And then Jeff eventually does uh, fall to his death. Yeah, I thought that was kind of like really anticlimactic. Because they're all like, it's, it's Jeff, John, and Mark up, up there. Mm-hmm. And it, before that, Mark and, Je- and Jeff are fighting it out. And Jeff's got these two like metal rods with spikes all over them. And I don't remember what Mark had. I think oh, Mark had just the, the, the wooden sword. Yeah, I, actually, I, that's it was in there. It's a wooden. Those those are. My daughter did taekwondo for a while, and I remember they. Pra- I remember watching other people practice them. I can't remember what they're called, uh, but they don't. They don't have an edge on them. Oh, uh, I see. Um, because Mark clearly didn't wasn't out to kill anybody yet. Um, 
so he disarmed Jeff and Jeff ran and up, up the thing. And yeah, they're kind of all just like making each other flinch and Jeff falls to his death, which I'm like, really? Like you couldn't have had a little face off. I mean, really it should have been John facing off against them because that's uh, like his nemesis, right? I mean, he could have hit the ground harder too. Cause he doesn't hit it that hard. And he's only two stories up. Yeah. And he died like instantly. <laughs> like not even like landing on a spike or something. Just boom. Yeah. I mean, lots of people fall two stories and are like, oh, uh, my leg's broken, but I'm okay. Right, right, right. So it was, it was really an anticlimactic fight scene at that point. Because you're like, yeah, you know, I, I, like I said, I think John should have been the guy that faced off against them because of the punch earlier, you know? Mm-hmm. That would so have made more sense. Yeah, I was a little disappointed with that. I mean, I think they were trying to feature uh, YK Kim, you know, because it was he, he was kind of the star of the movie and their leader, but still. And then they go back to the apartment? Yeah, and they're... Because they want to... You know, the ninjas are sent to avenge Jeff's death. Yeah, that's the next scene. We So that's the scene I was talking about. So we see... I don't remember what comes first. If they're at the apartment and they find out that um, Jim's dad's alive and wants to see him. Or... No, it can't be. The first scene... So we, we see two guys go into the motorcycle ninja gang. Is that what we're calling them? Sure. Yeah, that's the motorcycle I, ninja gang. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. This, this this makes like this makes this makes Master Ninja one and two or American Ninja look like Saving Private Ryan. Uh, so we see them, and the guy goes, "Your brother, the your brother was murdered by the by dragon, whatever." And I'm like, "Brother." I'm like, "Well, that's odd because earlier." If they're brothers, earlier, unless you just talking about because they're both in biker gangs, mm-hmm. but earlier he goes, oh, is that your sister up there? Well, wouldn't that have been your sister too, dipshit? <laughs> so I was kind of confused by that a little bit. Like, unless it's like a Bond-like family, generally like one gang member is not going to go to avenge the death of another gang member. Right, right. Like, I don't see that. I, there's no love loss in the Yakuza. And I'm pretty sure supposed to be, they were supposed to be like a Japanese smuggling bit. Like, of all the like of all the crime syndicates, I'm sure there's one in Korea, but I've never heard of like a Korean crime syndicate smuggling coke through like Florida. I haven't either. So yeah, Japanese crime syndicate. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. Yeah. You know. Um. So that was a bit a bit strange to me. So then they set out to avenge them, and it's a nice sunny day, and it's all good news for Jim, and they're all dressed nice, and they get in the car, and they're gonna drive to the airport because Jim's gonna fly to see his dad. Mm-hmm. And they're going across a wooden bridge. I don't know where the hell they're driving or why they're on a one-lane wooden bridge. I've been to Orlando and I've been to the airport, whatever. Uh, and they get ambushed by the... Don't you find it funny how all these gangs knew exactly where they were going? Yeah. <laughs> like, just thinking about that. Like, somehow the, the ninja motorcycle gang's like, ha, we've caught you. Okay, we have MapQuest. We can just pinpoint okay they're going this way but they didn't really have it so the, 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 the first the guy the lead guy's got got a book out and he's looking at the map maybe they're coming this way <laughs> so they get ambushed and they jump out and start fighting immediately like have you ever think about the fact that they have like a four thousand pound car with a v8 engine throw it in reverse run over a few guys yeah they should have done that like there was never one time where they're like all right let's throw this baby in gear and go they're like put it in park let's jump and run uh, what so now this scene's actually not bad. This is probably the better fight scene in the movie. And it's I pretty long. So. And because, 
it has a few gory bits in it. Yeah. There's oh yeah. Slow mo in it, which I like. The there's not too much slow mo, but you know, you, you get a couple towards the end of it. There's some slow mo that you have. Well, they're fight. They're running through streams and forest and mm -hmm. fighting at the same time, and Jim gets sliced across the stomach mm -hmm. and chest. So he's dying, and that sets uh, Mark and, T and John off. Now, I swear to God that either Jack – no, I swear to God Jack was in that car when they pulled up there. I swear that car had four people in it. And I say that because the scene after this that we'll get to in a minute, Jack's in that scene. Yeah. Yeah, this, the four of them, and I, I don't remember. I don't think Jane was there, but there was the four. No, and Tom wasn't there because I would never okay. forget that mullet. <laughs> so he does, if he's there, he just took off and didn't do shit. I don't know what he was doing. But they're fighting. Uh, Jim, Jim gets injured, and then uh, John, yeah, John and Mark just go on a spree. And at one point, John gets sliced across the back, but I guess it wasn't deep enough to really do anything. He killed this, they start killing these guys. They, they're killing the ninjas at this point yeah. now with their own yeah. weapons. And John, like, gets pissed. He's got sliced. He kills the guy. And then he, like, takes off his shirt and jacket. I'm like, now you're doing it? Like, you're two-thirds of the way done with everybody. All right. And they just they slaughter the whole, the whole group of them. Mm -hmm. And they're fighting in the water. That was a cool scene, too. Um, Mark's underwater, and the two guys approaching. He just comes up and slices the one guy. Yeah. And there was a little bit of gore in this scene, like you were saying. And then the master ninja or leader or whatever in bright white appears. Probably more it's more appropriate to wear white during the day than it is at night if you're well, not if it's after Labor Day. <laughs> definitely you know, it, it it's definitely not like if you're trying to blend in. Right, right. So it's who's it that faces off with him? Oh, wasn't it? Uh Mark? It's Mark, yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's a good fight scene. That guy had like four different weapons he tried using too. Because mm -hmm. he, yeah. he, he had the sword, he had the little knives, he had the smaller knives. And that seems pretty long too. That's got to be what, three, four minutes it seemed? Yeah, it was... Uh, I remember it being like having... It wasn't just a quick fight. Yeah, it was. It lasted a few minutes. Yeah, it was. It was pretty solid. I, I was. It was. It wasn't a bad fight scene at all. It seems like when they were doing like scenes where it was like one or two, maybe three people, they were fine. Mm -hmm. But once they got to where it was like, um, like big groups, it just it was off. Mm -hmm. Actually, the funny thing is, I just looked at the movie poster that they had for it, the theatrical release poster. It says "Greetings" and it says "Miami" on it. It looks like um, I want to say Grand Theft Auto. Vice City's uh, oh, yeah. thing. I think it was that game. But um, so Mark thinks he's taking care of the guy, starts walking away, and in traditional movie trope form, what happens? They win. Um, no, 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 before that. Yeah, we know that. Yeah, we know they're going to win. No, remember Mark takes the guy out, and then the guy gets back up when he's walking away. Oh, he's, yeah. He's going to stab him. Oh. That's, that's okay. what I said, typical movie trope. Oh. <laughs> and that's when Mark finishes him off with his own blade. Mm -hmm. And that, that wasn't too gory, but there was some blood there. Yeah. Now, was that when they showed Mark and Tom, Mark and John in slow motion screaming, I running so. through the jungles, or running so. through the forest? 
that made for such a strange scene because I thought the movie ended like that. Oh. I'm like, why would you end it like this? And all of a sudden, they're in the car again, driving with, um, driving Jim to the hospital. So Jim was still alive. They get him to the hospital. That's where we meet his dad. And suddenly, uh, Jack reappears. Mm-hmm. Where did where did where did John get the new shirt? The new shirts. <laughs> Yeah, really, really <laughs> wearing like a Hawaiian shirt and like a, a like a t-shirt under it. I'm like, where did you get new clothes? And why are there no cops questioning you people? <laughs> You'd think cops would show up and be like, huh, there's 15 bikes here and a bunch of dead bodies. Should we investigate this? <laughs> Should we call the hospitals and see if anybody came in injured? <laughs> and that's pretty much how it ends, right? It ends at the hospital? Pretty much, yeah, because Jim's dad is there and he's... He tells him what great friends Jim has for saving his life. Yeah, yeah. The bands would got him in the mess in the first place though too. <laughs> uh yeah, because Jack's there because Jack's pushing him out on the wheelchair. And then I remember I think it was uh Jim says the line, no one will mess with our band now. And I'm like, really? That's what you come on. And that's how it ends. And you know, I, I I watched this and I said, this might be the worst movie ever. I might have to retire from doing my show. Ugh. And I told my wife, I'm like, James is going to get it for this one. <laughs> but now we're talking about it. And now there's a fondness about it where now it's like, it was really bad, but it was enjoyable in a way. Yeah, I think so too. It wasn't like some of the ones we do could have been better with better writing, could have been better with better direction. Could have been better with better budget, better acting, things like that. I don't think you could have made this better, to be honest. Right. I, I don't think so either. I mean, it was never, it was just, a, the plot was very convoluted. Mm-hmm. Because they never really showed a ninja smuggling. Like, he was more concerned with the money than the drugs. So it's not like they were actually smuggling the drugs. Yeah. Right? Like, but then he, then he brought the coke to the club. So it's like, well, clearly is interested in it. Oh, there was one gory part we missed. The the last of the white ninja guy, the last of the ninja motorcycle biker gang guys. I said that right? Whatever. The last of them shows up and tells the boss that everyone's dead and the boss cuts off his head. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't bad. That was, that was bad and not bad at the same time. And the blood's <laughs> pumping out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that, was, that was bad and not bad all at the same time. I, I, I kind of like it. Um, yeah, I, it, man, it's 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 tough because it is legitimately bad. But I've seen people call it the best bad movie ever, and I'm like, I can totally understand that mm-hmm. because you you actually did start to like the characters, even though there was like no development at all, and the plot was a little convoluted. But I don't know, it it, it was enjoyable. So I gotta say, I liked it, kind of. Can we say that? I don't even know. Does that make sense? I, I think so. I mean, yeah. I do too, but it's like, you know, I, I, I think... Like, I'm not going out to buy a 4K version of this. Oh, well, I have the Blu-ray, but it was on sale, so it's not like I, you know, spend a large ch- chunk of change on it. I mean... Well, I watched it on Tubi. Okay, well, that works too. So, we both like it in a yeah. weird in a weird. In yeah, a weird, I, torturous way. Like, if this was on MST3K, this should have been the last one that broke the, the, that broke Mike in the box. 
like they hated was it space mutiny what was the one they said they hated the most i think it was that one okay and i'm watching this going if they thought that was bad i don't know man <laughs> i mean <laughs> this was something else so i kind of enjoyed it the music was um very gem and the holograms <laughs> sounding and positive messages throughout. Until this movie, I'd never heard of Draft House Films. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm not that familiar with them either. They've put out quite a few uh Oh sure, now your volume gets nice and loud. Oh now you're quiet. <laughs> I've never heard of Manson International. So now now let's talk about the film a little bit. So sure. So it was a poor box office upon release, right? We know the plot. Uh, we know the cast. So production, um, I told you how they met. He was wrote a book about Taekwondo, and Park met him and convinced him to make the film. Uh, he, con- he conceptualized the story while watching his interview. And eventually it was going to be one of two brothers. It was going to be YK Kim and a guy named Bobby Kim. And the working title was Taekwondo. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, he borrowed from friends, he took out loans, spent his savings, more just Taekwondo school to finance the film. Never made a film before. And uh, Aaron Sullivan of the Orlando Weekly was quoted as saying he had no idea what he was doing, clearly. He was trying to find distributors and all that stuff, but he kept getting rejected, right? And he even went to like, he even went to like MGM and all the big ones. And they're like, dude, don't even. Wow. And he got rejected by everybody. Uh, but he was he, he was even told don't waste your time just throw it away it's trash and he's like I was in, he's like I was in too deep I had I had spent the money I did it you know so uh, the film was purchased for hundred grand and everyone was pretty happy with it they thought it was gonna be great Kim's Kim's thought it was he was quoted as saying that um, I was so excited and I had no doubt that we would pick every theater and it would be a blockbuster. His plan is uh-huh. a movie that draws attention to exciting martial arts action, not computer generated. <laughs> Those are two different quotes from two different times, but still. Yeah. Um, the, the run ended in three weeks. The film cost a million dollars. It almost bankrupted him. So you feel bad for him. Um, it was never on Mystery Science Theater. So then it went and then no one heard about it for a long time. Yeah, and then the Draft House did come around because... Well, Draft House found it in a strange way. So, in 2009, one of their programmers, because Draft House is in Austin, Texas, a guy's name was Zach Carlson, found the film on eBay. And he's, for the hell of it, he's like, I'm going to put $50 in. So he wins it, right? He screens the film at a theater in Austin. And people were like, yeah, this is good. Right, because now these kind of movies, like because we like people like us, we do the show, people listen, they watch it. Now there's an appreciation the last twenty years or so for these type of movies, right? Mm-hmm. And then Quentin Tarantino, you know, did his like grindhouse movies, and you know, lots of people have kind of like helped bring these genre, this genre higher up. So it got. Um, he wanted to re-release the film. Draft House wanted to re-release it. They kept calling Kim. He kept hanging up. He believed yeah. that the requests were jokes. He said, I was wondering why they wanted to distribute this movie that the public had rejected and Hollywood treated like trash 25 years ago. So eventually they get a, a, they talk to him and they got to deal with him. And um, in the summer, I want to say it says in the summer of 2010, it was screened as part of the Alamo Draft House Weird Wednesday. And um, it was reported by Rob Pomenek, Slant Magazine, 
that the response was immense, almost transcendent, leading to encore presentations and ultimately a limited re-release. It then screened in New York at the New York Asian Film Festival, which when you think about it, it was kind of revolutionary. It's a movie made by an Asian guy, starring an Asian, you know, written by them. Yeah. You know, in the late 80s, right? Um, the Everything is Festival, it, it received positive receptions. Erin Sullivan of the Orlando Weekly, again, this time she said, Draft House has helped connect this film to its audience with a series of midnight showings at film festivals and theaters in New York, Miami, Atlanta, Seattle, and this week, Orlando. Mm-hmm. So it became, it went from being a, a dud to getting favorable post-2009 reviews. It has a 68% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, Metacritic of 56 out of 100. Um, the most, most are mixed or average reviews. It's been well-received because now people understand, now people look at movies and go, hey, you know what, let's judge it for what it is. Not what, you know, not, not, let's not judge it against something else. You know, because that's what people have been starting doing now. Like, that's why movies like in this B-movie category and C-movie category now seem to be these cult classics, right? Right, right. Rob Humanick of Slant Magazine, who I mentioned before, gave the film three and a half, three and one half stars out of four. He wrote that love it or hate it, it's doubtful, you'll ever forget it, and may just force you to redefine your definition of what constitutes quote-unquote good cinema. Rich Jizwayek of Gawker wrote that the film was so bad it's essential. <laughs> um, David Schmader of The Stranger wrote that to say that Miami Connection is bad is a crushing understatement. Miami Connection is so bad it makes Tommy Wiz use the room look like wild strawberries. But out of this tragic mess of failure and incompetence, a distinctly sweet spirit emerges. Its source is the cumulative gameness and good sportsmanship of everyone involved in Miami Connection, which is drenched in a goofy joy that's contagious. And, he's, and I think that's exactly what it is. Because it, it has a very positive feel and message from the people in it. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the weird thing. And I think that's why I enjoyed it because I felt, I just felt for the people that made it because they yeah. were, they did something and they did it and they were happy about it. You know, it was, uh, I mean, I think that, I think he hit it on the head exactly what it was. Jackie Allen of the two of Tucson weekly said Miami connection is quite possibly the most hilariously terrible film made in the eighties, which is no small feat. The film has gained a cult, cult following over the years and with good reason. It's one of the best bad movies ever made. <laughs> yeah. And I, I agree with her too, or I think it's she, there's no pictures, I don't know, but I agree with her too. And uh, it was featured in 2015 at a track event. YK Kim uh, spoke with somebody from Paste. I don't know what Paste is, maybe it's a magazine. He appreciated that the track event brought the film to the, mo- to the screens again. And even if they were making fun of it, he even planned to watch the event himself. It's huh. just hilarious. And, uh, in, tw- in, in 2014, in Farrell in Williams' song, Happy, the uh, first dancer seen sporting a dragon sound cut off tea okay, in the music video. Um, huh. It was on a podcast, How Did This Get Made? Of course it is. <laughs> uh, let's see. One wow. of the big things that I thought was cool was in the game Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, which is kind of inspired by like the color scheme and all that is that 80s okay. feel. Okay. Um, it uses the, songs, the song Friends during its end credit and the cover art seems to be very Miami connection also. Oh, okay. So this movie had like this profound influence through the years that no one ever thought it would. Yeah. Uh, there was also a making of that they did that it's, I think the entire cast was part of oh, whoever was still around to hear friends for eternity. It came out in 2012 friends huh. for eternity, the making of Miami connection. Huh. The cast of Miami connection looked back on the cult film 25 years later. 
Uh, Joseph Diamond, Vincent Hirsch, Angela Gennady, YK Kim, Marie Smith. They're all in it. And there's a picture you can find on the internet that um, it shows them all wearing the, um, oh, where'd the picture go? It was, they were all wearing the shirts. They're wearing red shirts that say the band name on them. And yeah. they're all like in the stands. I was looking so at it it, it's really, I mean, sadly, you know, the director died in 2000 and what I say? 14 or so. I think I said, but it, he lived just long enough to see his film somewhat become a success, you know? And it's just like, I think it's a happy, good feeling story. Mm -hmm. You know, how it worked out. I think so too. Yeah. So, and I think all that, I, I think that what, I think that's what its appeal is, is exactly what they said. That it was just so, it was just corny enough to work, but like the songs, like the one song is like friends forever. And then one about like uh, against the ninja or something. Is one of the other ones? Yeah, yeah. There's like three songs, and that's one of them too. <laughs> uh, and and the woman that sang, you know, she actually sang the song because she's credited in the game uh, Far Cry Three Blood Dragon. Her wow. and her her and her now ex husband. So apparently, Kathy Collier or Collier, however you want to say it, married Angelo Giannotti for a while. Ah. Huh. Yeah, who knew? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Far Cry, Far Cry Three, Blood Dragon soundtrack. Yeah, so I was dead set on just giving you crap about this one, <laughs> and then now I think about it, I'm like, yeah, you know, it just has that. It oozes with that '80s like low budget charm, right? Like, give it a give it a look. Uh, you know, I'm sure you'll uh, get a kick out of it, and you'll enjoy the the, the you know the over top violence, but you also enjoy the well enjoy I use the word. Loosely, but uh, you'll be into the music, and you'll uh, yeah. you'll be you'll you'll wonder why you 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 want to learn how to look good in a suit while fighting ninjas. You'll learn how to do that in this movie. So yeah, and we'll close out with that. I can right. I couldn't put it any better myself, James. <laughs> so uh, so I'm Johnny. Thanks for listening, and, and I'm James. You've been listening to a Squabble Box podcast.